Welcome to another episode of Dorks on Sports, a podcast about four dorks talking about sports. My name is Daniel. Joining me as always, we got Curtis. Curtis, how are you doing over there? I'm doing well. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Okay. What is your overall opinion about this year's playoffs, NFL playoffs? Oh, <laughs> bonkers it was a lot of fun it was yeah. uh i mean the, i mean the wild card was kind of a turkey but that weekend but from the divisional round on it was just it was great football all the yeah. games were a blast to watch i agree like you know the seahawks missing the playoffs for i don't know what is it the second time in 10 years or 11 years or something like that whatever yeah. that is um uh, this is a this is a great postseason for that to happen it's been a lot of fun I've been entertained. Yeah, me too. Alana, how are you doing over there? I'm doing all right. I, Feeling I, uh, old. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Um, uh, I I like the background for if you're not watching the uh, the YouTube uh, version of this uh, for our pod listeners, uh, we got the the 1968 old Bengals logo can you describe that for us yeah and so we got we got a um a, an aggressively fearful tiger carrying a silver football it looks like he just got it and threw his helmet off and went Rawr! what do i do now it's 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 something else i these this 60s and 70s aesthetic for these football teams is something that i really want to i wish they would hold i wish ugh. I want these teams to recapture and own, own the weirdness. I love this logo. I have to Me say too. it's, it's weird. It's cartoony. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm into it. Uh, and then it, and, and on top of it all, it looks like uh, it's on the cover of like a peachy folder. Oh yeah. That's the kind of um, that football aesthetic from that era. Cause this would have yeah. been the uh, program that you got when you went to the game, I would imagine. Totally, and, and pair this with the the fight song that the Bengals Bengals had, which would have come right. out at that time, because yeah. it's got a tuba that acts as the a uh, 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 Bengal the growl. lion roar. Yeah, it's it's Cincinnati Bengals growl, and it's just so like, ooh, guess we're gonna have some fun tonight, Cincinnati. <laughs> I mean, the Bengal almost looks like reminds me of like out of a cartoon, like the Pink Panther or somebody, because yeah. it's like he's sneaking with the ball. Yeah. But at the yeah. Same time, yeah. He's pouncing and has action like this is physically impossible. And the helmet yeah. just flew off. Like the, the, the helmet flying off. I mean, yeah. it kind of looks like he's high and he just stole that football. Yeah. <laughs> and he's and running he away really... from it like, oh, no, the cop is going to get me. And he doesn't know what to do with it either. He's like, I got this. Now what? Yeah, Millie. Yeah, uh, your your Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. It is true. Give me a rundown of your emotional state when <sighs> Joe Burrow won that game. Oh, I cried. I mean, tears of joy. I I really I believed they could do it in my heart, but you know. My head was like, nah. And I, you know, I even texted y'all. I'm like, well, there are three people out of eight on this panel before, you know, from Fox before this or whatever it was before the game. Three of them chose the Bengals. So there's hope. And two of them were the only two women. So I, I give them extra points because <laughs> they're just usually better at predicting games, if you ask me. So those two specific women, when it comes to predicting, uh, they usually win the belt. So anyway, long story short, I believe it could happen and, and it did. And the joy, the rapture, it was, it was everything, everything I could have ever wanted. I was so the happy. team of destiny. This is the Bengals totally. are the team of destiny. Um, I have to say though, Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs are falling into a scary pattern where they'll, they'll put up like a ton of points, like get three touchdowns in a quarter and then just give the game away. And I don't know what they've done it several times now. And it's kind of concerning. And uh, I, I don't know how I feel about that. Like what's going on over there in uh, Kansas city. I think he, he took notes off of like Russell Wilson's like worst tendencies of uh, 
he definitely looked like hero ball and like chase i mean just not taking the simple check downs and trying to make the big holding on to the ball too long yeah and it's just kind of like and and, and it's just yeah i i I feel like and 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 rogers against san francisco completely fell apart like that too and i just i don't know i to me it it almost renews my love for Russ and going like, see, it's not just our quarterback. It's not just our superstar quarterback that yeah. can like, you know, drop a turn Meltdown. on the 50 yard line. You know, look at all these other superstar quarterbacks. They're well, just- maybe he'll see it and see that the two teams who made it through there were the teams. I mean, Burrow. Yeah, he's kind of a one man offense to a certain extent. But he doesn't play hero ball. He's really no. Efficient. He doesn't. He play. He plays within his limitations. Exactly. Yeah. And and Stafford yeah. is that's absolutely true of Stafford as well. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. We we know that Stafford is gonna choke, but like I feel like <laughs> Russell mimics the success that is around him. That is one of his skill sets. Like what what happened with Tom Brady when Tom Brady was just demonstrating again and again and again that being a pocket passer was um, the way to succeed for him in, in mm-hmm. the league. Uh, Russ turned his game more into a Brady-style game where he stopped running as much, and I know part of that is that he slowed down. Um, uh, but he, st- he could still scramble for yards, mm-hmm. and, and, he, and when he does that, the team is more successful, but he was trying to be more prestige like Brady because it proved successful. Totally. Yeah. Let's get 15 yards of a chunk play instead of like getting the three yards and a first down and living to, you know, another day. Here's a thing. I was, um, I was reading an analysis. And so I went back and watched the game of uh, the analysis was on the offense for the, uh, the, lob super bowl win right Mm -hmm. and they were Mm -hmm. talking about specifically how the defense really overshadowed that team because it was you know dynastically good like one of the great defenses of all time but the offense was no joke it was an explosive offense that scored it was and Russ, as we've talked about a lot, was not asked to do a ton in that offense. He was throwing maybe like 18 times a game, and then Marshawn Lynch is running 55% of the time. But the way Russ played in that game versus how he's playing today is so vastly different, and the way he was playing then is way more Russ ball, which is mm-hmm. uh, he was hitting Doug Baldwin in the middle for like intermediate uh, yards, you know, like mm-hmm. 12 yards and getting those third downs. And he was getting the ball out fast. Like that offensive line was better than it is now, but not by a lot. And I think what changed is that Russ was actually getting the ball out within two seconds and not, you know, holding on to it too much. He was doing Russ this had a pirouettes and stuff, but that's a big difference. Yeah. I mean, the, the offensive line was the highest paid position unit on that team. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the following center. year too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and I, and Giacomini uh, was real great at uh, getting people to uh, throw swings at him and getting those yeah. uh, 15 yards. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, speaking of Seahawks, the so Seahawks are out of the playoffs. Uh, the Seahawks then fired Ken Norton Jr. And uh, while they haven't, I know, while they haven't officially hired their defensive coordinator yet, by all reports, it's going to uh, defensive line coach Clint Hurt, um, who was in the running along with Sean Desai, Ed Donatell, and uh, that cat from uh, Roy Witt Jr., Yes. Yeah. Why haven't they? That is a question I was trying to answer well, today, and I, think, I have I, think I, they're I can't still come holding up on for the, the Sean. The I think game. Well, the, the where it is is that they're hiring a guy from uh, the Vikings who was their pass game uh, coordinator, um, but mm. they haven't. Okay. Well, they yeah, haven't, the, the Vikings haven't, haven't been able to finalize position. their stuff. So okay. I think they're still trying. I think they're still trying to work a few more, a few more moves to the staff, and then they probably want to officially announce it all together. Yeah, at once. So that's what the holdup I think is. Yeah, totally. I agree. 
Uh, but Curtis, give me give me some of your thoughts. How do you feel about how things are shaking out? Uh, I'm 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 one diehard twelve that's super stoked about Clint Hurt getting the gig because it's the emphasis is going to be to me that signals the emphasis of the defense is going to go back towards the defensive line. It's going to be, um, I think we're going to see. Uh, you know, the likes of uh, Carlos Dunlap and Daryl Taylor, uh, you know, um, going at the quarterback uh, from the edges. I don't think we're going to see him dropping back into coverage in those weird sort of ways. I don't think we'll see Puna Ford doing that anymore. (laughs) Um, A defensive line coach wants his boys up front to rush the passer. And I think that uh, given the fact that he is – he is from the Vic Fangio tree. Um, I expect to see more creativity in the backfield um, <laughs> with how they um, how they play zone packages, and I think <laughs> that there's probably going to be a special, unique role carved out for Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams, I agree. Uh, yeah. That that doesn't require him to be like a uh, a deep safety, right? Oh, um, so yeah so that's yeah. the thing about a fangio defense is that a fangio defense in its you know just base look is a too high safety uh which has kind of been the trend um uh to you know beat these quarterbacks like mahomes and uh and these rogers and russell wilson um do how do you think that this defense or if this defense will diverge from uh, a more traditional fan defense uh the um so it won't totally be the fangio defense i think that the fangio defense is mostly um how we're probably going to see the difference in seattle is i don't suspect we're going to see a shift into the three four look that fangio always runs (laughs) i think harold's going to stay true to his 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 four three overlook you know, there'll be there'll be four defensive linemen instead of three. There'll be three linebackers instead of four. Um, but I think that, you know, I think that they'll try and I think I think I think they're going to try and and um, and adopt um, the back end principles that mm-hmm. Fangio is more known for with the zones and with stuff the zones. That, that aren't the, the cover three. Uh, I think Fangio rarely ever did cover three. Yeah. Um, the fact that they've been, you know, they're bringing in Ed Donatel, um, who's been running that de- defense for the last few years and has followed Fangio around for the last 10 years. Yeah. Uh, shows me that there's going to be a big shakeup in how they do things in the secondary. Yeah. And the personnel, I think, uh, fits more of a Fangio defense. You know, their defensive backs don't fit that Carroll cover three, um, you know, um, defensive back. They don't have the Brandon Browners anymore and the Richard Sherman, the Richard Shermans and the yeah. yeah, You know, these tall, rangy six foot two um, guys. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Very exciting. Um, I think it's interesting. Uh, You know, uh, a lot of us have said, you know, Pete Carroll is 70 years old and he's been he's done this defense forever and, you know, teach an old dog new tricks. But maybe we can teach an old dog new tricks. I think the old dogs are looking for some new tricks. Yeah, I think the old dogs looking for some new tricks. It gets me kind of excited. Uh, so I, to transition into this, um, uh, once again, uh, Carol is um, giving his defensive coordinator uh, opportunity to a man of color. Um, and this is a, n- an issue that has been brought up to light again in the NFL. Uh, Brian Flores has leveled um, a number of accusations against teams uh, for like blatantly racist um things um alana do you want to talk a little bit about this what are your first yeah the first thing i want to say is that yes we're giving the or it looks as though the the defensive coordinator is going to be given to a man of color but i want to actually say that it's being given to a black man i think that that's important in this conversation because isn't it's what like 68 percent of the league is black 
if I'm not 70%. mistaken. 70%. percent so Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and, and we have seen so few head coaches and so few general managers who ascend to that position. And it's been well known for the last probably decade that the Rooney rule is a joke and isn't doing yeah. anything. Yes. Um, and that the, the real impact points come from the awarding of uh, draft picks to people who um, uh, escalate uh, candidates of color. Um, one of the, the, the things that has gotten really under my skin in this whole conversation is that, yes, prior to the hiring of Mike McDaniel in Miami and um, Lovey Smith. Smith in Houston, uh, uh, what's his face in Pittsburgh? Tomlin was the only mm-hmm. black coach. But Robert Sala is a man of color, and um, so was uh, somebody else. I can't remember right off the top of my head. So there were actually three coaches of color in the league, and every single piece of conversation that was being had of it was erasing their their color. Now, obviously, that has two effects. One is to make the assumption that we have one coach of one black coach and then thirty one white coaches, which is what's erasing them mm-hmm. robert sala and the other person i cannot remember Ron, uh rivera right? thank you Ron rivera. Ron rivera. yes Ron rivera. um i appreciate that i just i was spacing it um yeah, i had to think about that and so we were erasing their experience we were erasing the racism that they've experienced in Absolutely. that conversation um but then at the same time it is still a little bit uh you know picking at a scab to say well you forgot you forgot two people and I'm not, that's not the angle I'm taking. It does seem, and what is interesting to me is that the shortly after uh, Brian Flores made the allegations, put forth the suit, we started to see some hiring that was more in line with what um, we would want out of a more equitable league. Yeah. Are we anywhere close? Absolutely not. Um, am I excited about Clint Hurt? because that man is a leader and it seems to me that they're filling out the staff to make sure that he's successful so Mm -hmm. that he, and I think you brought this up, Curtis, but maybe it was you, Daniel, he can ascend to the um, Seahawks head coach when when Carroll retires. I think that that is a, there is a strong possibility that that is the ascension plan. Agreed. And, there, there's, 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 I, I think that's certainly possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because Clint Hurd is a leader. Like he is a natural leader. I want to follow him. I like him. Um, and I'm hoping that that's the direction we go. Um, the NFL is a racist organization because mm-hmm. of the owners. The yeah. owners are not going to change the way they operate without some incentive to do that, unfortunately. And so we need to see more owners of color in addition to seeing more uh, uh, GMs of color, presidents of color, CEOs of color, um, and coaches of color. Yeah. And I just, you know, I, I don't want to downplay how courageous Brian Flores is being in this. I mean, he's all but said he's falling on his sword for the cause. Like he knows that he's maybe taken the Colin Kaepernick route. And his career is over. He's not really gone for much in the way of monetary damages at all. He's no, he He just wants the change. Yeah, He wants the change. He wants to see the change. What's really interesting to me too is, with what's happening with the Texans, which seemed to be a job he was very much in the running for, but at the same time, so he puts the lawsuit out mm-hmm. prior to a number of coaching positions being announced. And I didn't entirely understand the point of that. If you really wanted the job. And I think what it did mm-hmm. was reinforce. This is not about me getting the job I want. Yeah. This is about me trying to put light yeah. on this. And I'm trying right. to do it at a time that you're not going to say, this is just sour grapes. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, on a personal level, I, it does seem as though he, it is kind of the Colin Kaepernick route, right? Like he made himself not unhirable, 
but a very complicated, difficult choice mm-hmm. within how this NFL world works with hiring your coaches. And by all reports, and as I'm starting to dig deeper, especially into the, the Texans position, because I'm, of course, thrilled that Lovey Smith has gotten this, this job. But what I learned. Can I just say Lovey Smith's some- epic beard is just like, mwah. Yeah. What I learned in digging into that was he was not really even a candidate. And if anything was probably going to be a Rooney interview. Um, And we had all heard these rumblings about Josh McCown and it was like, what, why, like what's his experience? What's his coaching? Why on earth would you give this job to Josh McCown? When there are so many great coaches and especially black men available, ready to coach. And that's not even entering into your mind. When you think about the culture of your team, you're not thinking about the diversity of the league, of your coaching staff, of, of your team that, that you're talking about Josh McCown. Like there were Mm -hmm. a number of people that they could be talking about. They're talking about fucking Josh McCown. Right. the reality that I have seeing the more I, I read into it is that Flores probably lost that job, but he might've never gotten that job if he hadn't done exactly. a lawsuit anyway. And it could have gone to Josh McCown and he would have just looked like an asshole who was mad that they gave the job to somebody else. Yeah. But why on earth would you hand your team over to some unproven entity? Like it just boggles the mind where you know i mean i think we've all everyone's been- looking for the next sean mcveigh is what what it is yeah, but we've all been or the drama. kyle next kyle shanahan we don't understand the hiring the so the, 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 the ownership down there and mike because i've i've been sort of tracking the uh the the, the, the deshaun watson saga down there and all the reasons why he wants out um and it's so uh the guy who originally uh own the team passed away and it's been sort of being it's it's it's, the controls of it have gone to his son his son is kind of nuts and he has brought in one of his besties to be sort of like the spiritual leader of the organization and he is like a he's a fire and brimstone like evangelical just like extreme sort of (laughs) <laughs> like bible thumping like i i i'm not i i, I don't want to uh talk poorly about you know uh, uh christian religions and all that sort of stuff but the guy the guy's on the extreme end of that whole thing and he uh he wants everybody to you know to to come in to like prayer group meetings before practice Oof. just the whole like nine yards of you know this and so it's like an infringement on a lot of people's <laughs> probably right. personal beliefs and stuff and so i don't know much about this mcmahon mcnown guy but i think he is in sort of that kind of you know culture yeah and so you know they white probably people culture sort of thought hey he's a great guy and he quarterback for years in the league and you know was on peterson's third string quarterback in philadelphia and doug peterson sort of swings that way too and so it's just kind of i'm just kind of reading between the lines as to why he was even in that strong of consideration and i think it's from that perspective Mm -hmm. i have to say so you know brian flores uh it it feels like a million years ago now in sort of nfl time but he was fired from that job in miami uh but like let's not forget he won like the last eight games or something like that he's coaching his ass off for two seasons in a row Mm -hmm. without any sort of help from ownership like ownership was actually actively working against him and he was still able to win some games. I mean, mm-hmm. this dude is a for real good coach. Yeah. I, the Giants giving that job to Dowell before even uh, interviewing him is 100% racist. 
Mm-hmm. And I like you can't convince me otherwise. Like that was beyond the pale. But it's very clear of his story from interviewing for the Broncos as well that he went into oh, that being like absolutely. great, another Rooney interview. Like, you know, and they and they deny it and they say, you know, he's a very real candidate, but um, I'm gonna believe the guy who said these dudes were super late and hungover and didn't mm. what I said. I'm glad somebody mm. took notes. Bullshit. He was in the room. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. These fuck you, John Elway. Oh, yeah. Fuck you, John Elway. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm I'm super excited to see where this whole thing plays out. Um, and the I'm not more- convinced he's going to end up in the Kaepernick realm of being you know blacklisted indefinitely yeah. from the league he's he's got he's got too much of a track record as a coach i think the league is going to be patient and seeing how this whole thing sort of plays out but you know i gotta think that some freaking smart owner and gm out there is going to look at how, well, the work that he did uh working for an asshole owner down in Miami who was trying to like bribe him to throw games, who was trying to get him, who was trying to coerce talk to quarterbacks who uh, he shouldn't talk talk to to yet and to to tamper with a quarterback on another roster. I mean, he put up with so much shit down there from Steven Ross (laughs) and he was still winning games like, like some smart, it was like it was straight out of the movie Big League, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you know, and you could almost picture him in the locker room with the players, like, you know, this is so wrong in today's world, but slowly taking the clothes off of the new owner every time they won, like, yeah, you know, like, hey guys, let's stick it to the man, right? Let's. I mean, if Jody Allen hires him in three or four years to replace, you know, uh, I mean, not to take that job away from Clint Hurt, who we were just talking about. But like as a Seahawk fan, as a diehard Seahawk fan, is that being my A number one team? I mean, I would not be disappointed. Correct. I would be excited. I mean, talk about culture. That dude's got a boatload of it. He's got Mm -hmm. principle and honesty and uh, yeah. Well, I don't know if y'all remember. I didn't understand why he was fired in the first place. The, the no, the, he learned about this. The more he was like, he was, oh, because he wasn't being a team player, because yeah. he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, am, he wasn't on yeah. board. Yeah. I would just, I'm not sure that his, that this class auction lawsuit is actually going to get legs. I'm really, I, I'm not sure it's going to. Well, I think there's the way a few it's framed and under the, like yeah. under its legal umbrella, I don't yeah. know that it has legs. What yeah. I do see within it is the allegations regarding being offered payment to throw games and the fact that there does seem to be backup and receipts on this and not just from him. Um, I'm hoping that goes somewhere and yeah. I'm hoping that has serious penalties against owners. Cause that's where, yeah. that's where things need to be. That's where we got to stick it to him. Right. Is in the ownership. That's what needs to change. Yeah. The ownership. And if I was a fan of Miami, man, I would be begging them to get my owner out of there. I, I'll tell you, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Bad owners ruin teams. Yep. Those teams that are perennially losers, they're perennially losers because their owners suck. Nintendo. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just thinking about the Dallas Cowboys. Oh no, I was thinking about the Mariners. That's what I <laughs> Yeah. That's why well, I or the the Seahawks during the, the Seahawks Bering years. The Ken Bering years were, were god awful. It was it was just I, I mean, I, I lay awake at night dreading, you know, that Jody Allen is gonna sell to some guy to who's gonna come in to with Jeff oh, Bezos. Oh god, no, that cannot happen. <laughs> I what's that if listen. <laughs> If Jody Allen sells to Jeff Bezos, I am burning my Seahawks jerseys. Yeah. Uh, I'm out. That's it. I'm out too. Yeah. Yeah. I can't do it. I love my Seahawks. I can't go that far. Bezos, if you're listening to this podcast, don't you dare get your mitts on my Seahawks. I will will come after you. It's going to be Balmer. Anyway. Uh, it's, gonna bunch, it's gonna be a bunch of head fun oh, Curtis, I'm, from the <laughs> Bay Area that are gonna buy this team. <laughs> We're gonna get another decade of uh Cam Baring. They're gonna move the headquarters to oh, Silicon Valley God. and just hang on to the team. Don't so yeah. Super Bowl mm-hmm. coming up Sunday. 
We got Bengals versus uh, the Los Angeles Rams. Here we are in the NFC West having to watch another NFC West team in the Super Bowl. I think the only, uh, you know, uh, person that's gone to more Super Bowls than the NFC West in the last 10 years is Tom Brady. But uh, here we go. Uh, we're going to be watching the Rams versus uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Millie. Tell me your thoughts. What are you thinking? Uh, what are your predictions for this game? How do you think it's going to shake out? What's the storyline here? Uh, is it going to be? Is it going to be a great Super Bowl? I think it is. Yeah. I think it's going to be um, a high-scoring, super fun affair. I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to come down to a field goal. Yeah. Um, and I think as much as uh, as much as I love kickers, even, I mean, I keep making fun of the Bengals hole. This is why you draft a kicker. You know, they just keep saying it, but um, they may finally win that argument. If McPherson <laughs> keeps it going. I mean, the kid's amazing. Um, so I I'm taking the Bengals because of course I am. And um, this little guy just wanted to say hello and let you all know that the Bengals are going to win. He's been a fan for eight years and he's ready. <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> checkers told y'all about. So that's checkers. Um, and he says the Bengals win. I, I also do think that there will be at least one defensive score in this game. Um, like and uh, I'm going to take the Bengals and I'm going to take them. 2723. All right. Alana, uh, well, give me give me a rundown. Give me your predictions. How's this going to go? So I think that this is probably going to be a mediocre Super Bowl, mm -hmm. um, uh, but not like Rams Patriots from a few years ago. Um, I think Sean McVay, <laughs> right. do you remember that game? That game was disgusting. Yeah. Or, yeah what was it? 14 to 3, 10 to 3. Um, and it wasn't even because they played good defense. It was just like, uh, I think this game ends. Um, I think it's over pretty early, uh, like start of the third quarter. And I think that um, it's, I think it ends 35 to 24 with some garbage points or garbage time points. And I think it's, it's that way because Stafford's going to choke and McVay's going to choke and they'll put some points up in the end. But I think the Bengals, I think they run away with it, kind of come out. We know that Burrow can withstand a pass rush and take a lot of hits, <coughs> which is really the <clears throat> biggest advantage that the Rams have is that part of their defense, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think that he takes a lot of hits, but he completes a lot of passes. And I think Mixon has a big day. Um, and I think it's 35-24 at the end of the game. That is not far from my prediction. Uh, I think what I envision, this is how I see this going. I actually think the first half is going to be kind of exciting. And I think most of the points are going to be scored in the first half. And then both teams are going to kind of bear down in the second half. And it's going to be one of those games that – you know, then in the third quarter and most of the way through the fourth, not a whole lot happens. And then we might have a little bit of scoring, uh, you know, uh, at the end of the fourth. I'm taking the Bengals 35-28. Curtis. God, I can't, I can't, I have a hard time shaking my deep state theory about the NFL. <laughs> And those freaking Rams, uh, and how they're desperate for those LA Fairweather fans who aren't even Rams fans to climb on board that freaking team down there, uh, so it can be a big success story. Um, but I think it's gonna. I think it's. I, I, you know what? I think. I think it's gonna. I think the NFL is gonna fall on their own faces with this. I'm picking Joe Burrow and yeah. the Cincinnati Bengals to smack the holy crap 
out of these Rams and their Fairweather <laughs> fan base down there and disappoint all these little four-year-old kids that bought freaking Matt Stafford jerseys and all this sort of crap. I think, you know what? I think, I think, I think, the, I think the Bengals are going to walk away with this thing. I think they're going to walk away with this thing. 38, 17. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like you it. know what they're playing? They're playing with a lot of moxie. They're playing with house money. Um, I think the pressure is on McVeigh. I think the pressure is on Stafford. I think the pressure Agreed. is on Aaron Donald. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think, I think they've gone all, they've thrown all the chips on the table for this thing. And, um, I see, I see Stafford throwing picks. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, I think Burrow's the better quarterback. I really, I I'm think... a big Burrow believer now. I've, I've been sort of reluctant to jump on his <laughs> Welcome. His performances in the playoffs have won me over. I think there's that something about that kid. Whole team. You get to him nine times in a game and he still finds a way yeah. to beat you. Mm-hmm. That is special football right there mm-hmm. he's got he was like, taking over games like russell wilson will take yeah. over games you see that look yeah. in his eye and now he's yeah. like running for those first downs and he's doing mm-hmm. whatever he can to uh you know just kind of like take over that game but that mm-hmm. whole team is playing free and playing loose and playing confident like they just have the look of a team who knows they can win again. Mm. I mean, they just outdueled Mahomes and the chiefs. Yeah. You know, they just look like uh, they know they can take down anybody. And that was the team. That was the team that I was at coming out of the, 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 the win over Buffalo. I was going like, well, the chiefs are going to win this whole thing mm-hmm. after that, after that game. And I just feel like Burrow has no fear in him yeah. whatsoever. And I think that transcends through the rest of that roster. So, um, I, I thought it'd be fun if I asked y'all a couple of quick rapid fire questions uh, Let's do here it. On, on your predictions for the season. Um, and just quick note, I am changing my prediction to 27, 24, because I said it was going to be a field goal and my math didn't work. So <laughs> Dan, yeah. Who scores the first touchdown? Joe Burrow. So Joe Burrow he's running it in. Like he's running it in. Uh, who scores a first touchdown? Scores it, yeah, yeah. Joe, well, he he passes. It's a it's a pass. Yeah. Who, who so so who who walks into the end zone then? Oh, yeah. I oh well, it's got to be Jamar. Okay. Curtis, first touchdown. Odell. Alana. Who uh, who's number eighty five on the Bengals? Higgins? Is it Higgins? Say Higgins or... Uh, oh, no, no. It's going to be Mixon. Sorry, it's Mixon. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also have OBJ. All right. Um, Curtis, how many turnovers? In totality? Totality. Four. Alana? Four. Three for the Rams, one for the Bengals. <laughs> Dan? Five. I'm going to... All right, Dan, how many field goals? Field goals. I'm saying uh, there's going to be four field goals. Alana, how many field goals? Three. Curtis? Two. I'm going four. More passing yards. Joe Burrow or the other guy? Let's all say it at the same time. (laughs) Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, everyone wants Burrow. All, uh, here's the, no, I'm giving it to Stafford. Uh, I think Stafford uh, throws four more yards, but he also throws three picks. I completely agree with you, actually. I think yeah. um, I think Burrow's smarter than to take all the yards. I think he spreads it around. I think they get yeah. their running game going. Matt Stafford's the the master at getting uh, garbage yards. Oh yeah, he's going to throw those interceptions though. Yeah. Um. All right, Alana, who's the MVP? I mean. I picked the Bengals and the media narrative is Burrow. So it's going to be Burrow. I mean, the quarterback, the quarterback's going to win the MVP in a game like this. I think the only time a quarterback doesn't win the MVP is number one, they played poorly or somebody else just played so much. Like the running back ran for 250 yards or something like that. Or the defense has like, or the defense just took over a game. Right. Or all of the scoring is done by your kicker. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Curtis, who's your MVP? Burrow. And Dan is yours also. Yeah, I'm Burrow. going Burrow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say McPherson just for fun. <laughs> Good luck. Good. <laughs> put put all your just all the chips into the middle of the table. All in, baby. All in on the kicker. Why not? Um, my commissioner for my fantasy league will find that quite amusing. Um, all right, thanks. That was my round robin. And just for the record, I did choose the Bengals to win last time, 27-24, and they did. Ooh. I nailed it. I finally nailed the score. Yes. Nice. Right? All right. At some point, I'm going to compile all these facts and figures and uh, put them on the record for us so we'll know. Put them on the dork board forever. That's our little actuary. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we got the Super Bowl coming up uh, and that's going to be super fun. But we've also had uh, the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing. Um, That's been going on for, I don't know, what, a week, two weeks now? When did it start? It started on Friday. Well, four days ago. This is started Wednesday of last week. Oh, man. I uh, I opened a show this weekend, so time has no meaning in my head. Um, uh, so uh, so yeah, so uh, and some kind of exciting things have been happening already in the Olympics. Uh, most recently, Nathan Chen uh, scored uh, all time high score for um, the, uh, the 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 uh, the short. short uh, yeah. Uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, by the way, I watched that, um, performance and it is so impeccably smooth. Yeah. I, I can't, I, it, it didn't look human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, but Alana, uh, I know you are uh, a big fan of the Olympics. What have been your thoughts so far? Um, I have, uh, my favorite event in the Olympics is short track speed skating. Uh-huh. Um, because it's fucking chaos and uh, <laughs> it's just it's fast and it's wild and it's lucky and um, and I feel like this is a, a problematic scenario where the Olympics are kind of getting overshadowed by some bad refing like the the mm-hmm. judges are making a lot of really iffy iffy calls like in the um, quarters of the men's 1000, um, uh, one of the American skaters went down like before the seventh um, block. And usually when that happens, they call this call the start back, but they didn't. And so that skater was just done. And like, it was really unfortunate. Um, the, the Americans have done really poorly in the speed skating. They've done really poorly overall. It doesn't matter that much, but the the thing that's been a little bit like, what's going on here, is that every single call has benefited the Chinese. They've won two gold medals because of really iffy calls. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's just been that's been interesting to watch. Um, but uh, uh, Fontana from Italy won her tenth medal uh, as a part of this, um, and it was really nice to see her. Um, uh, skate around with the tri- uh, the true calore. Uh, and um, it's been it's been unfortunate to see people like Mame Baini, who's one of the the best uh, women American speed skaters, um, not do as well. But hopefully, she I mean, I think she's got another event coming up. Um, I've really enjoyed being able to share it with my kid, um, especially the speed skating. Um, uh, I've also, I, we also watched a lot of luge together, um, which was really fun. And, and watching that women's luge on Sunday, I, I had like intense um, poopy problems over the weekend. And so I just laid on my couch and watched Olympics all day Sunday. I didn't move. And so I have a lot. <laughs> that sounds like amazing. it's jumbled, but like watching um, the women's luge where it was like crash, 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 crash. Is really disappointing and it's it yeah you know the whole all of this is is really built up to say i think that china is doing a fucking horrible job i think their opening ceremony was garbage um i think that they didn't put any effort into it whatsoever and i think they're using the whole thing to mask over the fact that they're committing genocide on the uyghur people and mm. uh and they are using 
this celebration is a smokescreen for propaganda. Uh, and it's really disappointing because sport is supposed to bring people together. And unfortunately, they're using it for their own purposes in a really duplicitous manner. So I, I totally. Uh, uh, so how do you feel? Uh, what do you think of um, the nuclear power plant background uh, in the um, in the in the slope? Were you have you been watching that? The, are you talking about the slope style stuff? Uh huh. Um, I didn't read it in that way, uh, but um, I, I might not have. I might have been too focused on the jumps. I mean, the the power plant is like prominent, like center in the background, uh, and uh, a lot of people have been asking, like, is that intentional? Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know. So I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't have an answer to that myself, but I did find it peculiar um you know and a little ominous you know mm -hmm. you're watching these people go down the slopes and just like right behind them is these giant you know nuclear power plant god um, I, I was oblivious to that <laughs> i was wow. kind of oblivious now i gotta like watch the olympics did. just to see that <laughs> you should be watching yeah. the olympics to begin with it's great new zealand uh, won got, their very uh, first gold yeah what was that New Zealand won their very first goal. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yay for the Kiwis. Yeah. She did great. I, I, didn't, I didn't actually register the whole power plant thing until somebody really pointed it out to me. Um, and it is possible that we, I feel like we are all so highly on edge that we may occasionally read more into things than what is there. As far <laughs> as finding a place where you can create a a ramp and a slope and something high enough and that you have enough room to create it and make it high enough that you can make clearances. Yeah. Uh, it may have just been like, well, if we put the Olympic logo on it, maybe it won't look so bad. All right. To, <laughs> let's build right. it in front of this power plant. It's like, you know, a lot of the buildings that they built are, they're stunning and they're beautiful. Like, yeah. you know, it, it never fails. Most countries do, they build it. The sustainability of it and all the other is a whole nother matter, but um, especially the night shots when everything is lit up, it's, it's mm -hmm. pretty neat. And and as always, I mean, there's horrible stories about stuff, and then there's wonderful stories about stuff, and you and you just sort of have to be sure to put on your political filters with all of it and try to make sure that you're slightly aware of propaganda when it's coming your way. Yeah. But for me, I, I do try to really focus in on the athletes and. Um, and cross my fingers that things are fair. I mean, there's definitely, I mean, there's enough history. We all know mm -hmm. about the illusion of the past and people being paid off and all kinds of insanity. So it's, um, I'm not gonna say it doesn't happen. I, I'd like to think we're better. It, it's a lot harder to cheat now than it used to be. That's for sure. For sure. Um, I will say that, uh, yes, Nathan Chen's uh, performance was, was almost perfection. And mm -hmm. if you haven't stunning. seen yeah. it, um, Check it out if you ever want to know what male figure skating is all about um, and why it is athletic and beautiful and go watch it. It's three and a half minutes of your time. It's worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, what was actually my favorite thing about that short event was Jason Brown, who mm -hmm. is a longtime American figure skater. This will be his last Olympics. He is usually the one who keeps everyone else's spirits up regardless of how he does. And he is known for his artistry. He does not have a quad. His short program was so beautiful that he came in sixth, which means he's in the final group of men, which is a huge accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, his skating will make you cry. It is mm -hmm. beautiful. It is, it is ballet, modern dance on ice. And, and just yeah. every moment um, as, as performers, as you all are, you will understand, especially watching him skate, what skating can be when it comes to creating something that is athleticism combined with artistry, which I feel like a lot more of the events uh, are, are now centered on. A lot of what is being done with, with slope style, with, mm -hmm. with acrobatics and aerials mm -hmm. is about combining athleticism and artistry mm -hmm. um, as, a, as a singular idea. 
And mm-hmm. I think that's a really cool progression that's happened in the Olympics. Yes. Specifically say, the Winter Olympics. Yes, specifically totally. the Olymp- Winter Olympics. But I do want to say, if you like chaos, tonight starts one of my favorite chaotic events, which is um, Snowboard Cross. Yes! That's my other favorite. <laughs> Snowboard Cross. I'm going to direct this to Curtis because I feel like he, he he's looking at us like, what are these Olympics? Um, <laughs> what are these things you're talking about? <laughs> Snowboard cross is basically like motocross on snowboards. And, and there's I, a I guess, ski one too. Yeah, I, I like this stuff. But yeah, the, and it is absolute chaos. I heard mm-hmm. this year they're not putting as many people on the course at the same time. Oh, which is a That's not as fun. Come on. But I, I understand it because the last Olympics, there were so many crashes. <laughs> it was just fantastic. They were running like six-man heats, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> I think this time it's four. But yeah. um, it, it, is, uh, it is a lot of fun. And if you want more chaos and action, uh, I would say check out some snowboard cross. I, I mean, there are jumps and shit. And like they are, I mean, you, they, people will run into one another and oh, wipe yeah. out. It's, oh, yeah. it's great. Mm. Super I have to fun. check it out. Yeah, yeah, I'm sold on that one. Um, yeah, that and uh, curling. Are they do? How's the curling going? So the American mixed doubles team uh, uh, didn't make it in, and it was a really like unfortunate scenario where they lost to a Swiss team to the Swiss team. Um, but uh, I don't think that John Schuster. I don't think his team has started yet, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, doing mixed. Yeah. Um, my, uh, uh, my best friend is a part of the same curling club as like half of team USA. Um, so I get constant updates about, about what's going on. What sounds like similar to the U S at the last, uh, winter Olympics this year, uh, the, the Italians won today. Mm. They've never won it. So, uh, that was a neat watching their celebration was, was pretty exciting. Cool. Of the mixed double. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Please tell me my Canadians are doing well. Are my Canadians doing well? Probably, but not in that particular event. They they beat the U.S. hockey team in the round robin last Mm -hmm. night. That was hard. Yes. Go Canada. (laughs) There'll be more. But I think at this point, they only meet again if they end up in the gold medal match against each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which they probably will. They they probably will. The other teams are not looking real strong. No. Nope. Yeah. And then yeah. they're having to play masked. Like um yes, COVID masks. Mask. Yeah. For the hockey only. I thought it was just for that Yeah, well, the COVID hockey hockey rinks apparently that's that's the sport that uh is the easiest to contract COVID apparently. That mm. is have, have, have been showing there's something about so- the uh, the temperatures of the rink and the and how the bug sort of hangs around. Well, it's, it's been decimating the NHL. Uh, they yeah. postponed uh, so many games. Yeah, yeah, that's not surprising. Yeah, uh, I, I, well, I'm looking forward to uh, to the rest of the Olympics. We have uh, we have a little bit more to look forward to and more to talk about next week. Uh, I'd like to move into dorking. Um, I, I want to share what I've been dorking out about. I just, uh, I totally binged on a new podcast. It's just a one and done uh, uh, podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And it oh, has, shit. Oh, the, I, I need, it's on I need Spotify. This. You need to listen to this. They go after uh, Mark Driscoll. Um, I mean, they really do a deep dive into where he came from. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do you know he's got a new fucking cult? Oh, they. Oh, yeah, and they go into it, uh, and uh, and it goes into all of his manipulations, um, his abuses, the toxicity, uh-huh. how he runs his church like a cult, um, and uh, and the people that he surrounded himself with, and the way he was. He would just, it's fucking Game of Thrones is what it is. I mean, it's bonkers. Uh, Who made and it? 
uh, it's uh, I, I can I can't remember the host's name, but uh, the 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 host is um, is also a, a church planter uh, and of a progressive kind, uh, and who you know there's a lot of people in um, uh, that community uh, that did not like Driscoll and didn't like what he was doing, and it gets into some stuff that is just. Truly, uh, like takes your breath away. The kinds of stuff he said, what he got away with. I mean, it's crazy. Um, mm. I highly, highly recommend it. Yeah. Looks yeah. like it's hosted by Mike Cosper. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's great. I mean, the the research involved, the people they talk to, the people on the inside, it's good stuff. I know um, nothing about this, so I'm I am oh gosh. So Mars Hill, it was a, a mega church in Seattle. Uh, you know, Driscoll was a charismatic celebrity pastor. Um, and then it came out in like 2012 or 2013 or something like that. Uh, all remember of this. just this gross abuse that happened in this church, the spiritual abuse, um, emotional abuse. Uh, he treated it like a cult. I mean, Mark Driscoll, uh, he, he's a pastor for a Christian church, but it may as well be, you know, uh, the love joy cult or whatever. Like that's how he operates. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, really called it out. And now that this podcast has come out, now his new church in Arizona, <laughs> you're going to be shocked, but there's abuse claims coming out of there too. <laughs> Is he beating people? Uh, n- no, but um, the way so he Like emotional abuse? It, oh, oh. Yeah. Truly. Like his whole thing is about like, he's a, he's um, a trainer of men and Mm -hmm. it's just the worst parts of toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. Uh, The way he would like use people and get rid of them. um, It's, it's truly, truly horrifying. Uh, he's a well, monster. that's kind of like what's going down there with the uh, Houston Texans, right? With that wacko down <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's the yeah. That like, yeah. That's, that's what I thought I of. Is it Mark Driscoll who's uh... get his creepy ass out of there? He's just like, <laughs> yeah. God. I mean, what do you? Th- what does it say about your organization where somebody who's like a like 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 a legitimate creep? Yes. When he comes to like, you know. Yeah shit no. that you shouldn't be creepy about uh and he wants to get the fuck out because people are whacked down there like it's like yeah mm. agreed anyway yeah. check it out uh highly recommend i think it's only on spotify uh i burned through it uh alana what are you dorking out about i am truly enjoying the tv show single drunk female mm. um on freeform it's streaming on hulu um and it's just about a 28 year old so young millennial uh who is uh overcoming alcoholism uh and she moves back to boston and lives with her mom and it's very good um and i enjoy it a lot uh it seems very realistic um i say seems because it is not an experience i have fighting or or dealing with alcoholism, but it definitely seems like it's rooted in reality. Um, and I'm also tremendously uh, enjoying um, the Righteous Gemstones, which feels like a I natural pairing. Yeah, with the rise and fall of um, of Mars uh, Hill. Yeah, talk about charismatic church. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. Uh, and then lastly, um, somebody somewhere also on HBO. It's Bridget Everett's series. Um, she moves back yes. to Iowa. Um, it's I really good. Love her. Yeah, and the dude who there's a guy in it whose name I don't know, but he's um, he refers to himself as gay Skeletor. Um, <laughs> and, and if that helps you picture who he is, because it's a really good description. Um, he's putting forth quite the performance. And there are a number of people who are putting forth career best performances in it. Um, yeah. And it's it's a Duplass Brothers joint. Um, right. They produced right. it. Uh, so I think it's well worth I loved the, uh, the Duplass Brothers. Mm-hmm. I, 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 when I saw previews for that, I was like, "That I got to watch that. Mm-hmm. That is at the top of my list. Yeah. And we're awaiting Inventing Anna, which is the 
a Netflix series that comes out on Friday that's about the the griftiest of grifters in New York high society. And she just mm. grifts and she has this really unusual accent. Um, and Julia Garner plays uh, the okay. title role and she's, you know, pretty phenomenal. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that. Cool. Lots All of TV, TV stuff. Yeah. Millie, what are you dorking out about? I am excited to share that I'm actually dorking out about something hardcore right now. Um, I binged in a record amount of time, Archive 81 on Netflix. Um, This show is right up my alley and especially right up my binge alley. Uh, Archive 81 is based on a podcast that I don't know anything about. but basically, the it's a found footage-based story mm. where um, the main character is someone who restores archival tape. So he does videotape, audio tape. That's that's kind of his that's his job. Um, and and he is played by and I don't I'm probably saying this wrong, but Mamadou Afi. Mm-hmm. Ati, it's uh, Ati? silent H. Yeah. Okay, and and. He's incredible, which he, he has to be because so much of the, the filmmaking is serious close-ups of this person watching tape. Um, but of course, the story is more complicated than it appears. And it's funny, what it reminded me of immediately is if you ever listen to a relatively locally produced podcast called The Black Tapes, it uh, reminded me of that podcast, which was fantastic and then didn't know what to do with itself. But I loved that podcast early on in that it is it, it centers on this sort of, you know, what is any supernatural? Is it real and, and, and cults and, and this this music sound that is, a, I think in that it's a death sound. Mm-hmm. But these are, you know, the archetypes that it has going within the tape. So, of course, as we go, it's sort of, you know, how are these people all ultimately connected? Because clearly they're connected somehow. And this guy basically gets hired to to restore these tapes all by himself. And, you know, this place in like the Catskill mountains. Um, so of course he's alone and he has reasons for people to doubt his sanity, which of course helps reinforce if it's happening or not. I just loved it. I worked through it very quickly. I really enjoyed it. There has to be a season two, there better be a season two. Um, but I can't recommend it enough. It's not super violent or gory or scary. Um, which I was afraid of when I first started it. Uh, mm. And it's not. And it's on Netflix? It's Netflix, yeah. Netflix. And there's only, I think, eight episodes. So it's also Sounds not a super huge... interesting. That's right up my alley. Yeah. Curtis, what are you dorking out about? I've been watching The Clone Wars. No. <laughs> <laughs> After all these years, I've finally given into it and I started watching it last week and I'm almost towards the end of season two. And it's like, I, I don't know. It's, you know, I hated the, the prequel films. I was just like, you know, people like Mike Gilson and other people are like, oh, I got to watch the Clone Wars. They're great. And I'm just like, why the frick would they ever make a television show off of the prequel Star Wars movies? Those things were turkeys. But it's actually, it's uh, I'm enjoying it. I feel like, you know, Lucas just should have just created television shows and not done any of these films after oh. the first trilogy. Sort of <laughs> yeah. thing like that. Because the television shows are great. I mean, it's all, it's all episodic storytelling anyway. Totally. So why wouldn't you just have a fucking television show? Why are you spending like why are you making three and a half hour long films and you know with 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 actors it's just the same story over and over you could just ask the same question of marvel though right like <laughs> the marvel I mean, shows truly. i love but like no, i mean the marvel i would movies. say i would say that the marvel films in comparison to the star wars movies by and large like i enjoy a lot more but it's like yeah i don't know i just uh, to me it's like my escapist in 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 in, in long story i haven't seen the clone wars but i feel like with really good taking it's, over it's like star really. wars it might be required viewing you you What's you that? don't even understand like the number of references to characters from the clone wars that is happening right now in book of Boba totally Fett. that's yeah. what i'm that's i can't wait Curtis, sudden, for you to like, meet all of yeah. these characters as they were originally created that you are currently watching in one of your favorite shows 
So now I want to go back to season one of Mandalorian to like watch that shit from the beginning because of all the stuff that I'm watching through the Clone Wars and I can go like, ah. Yeah, okay. and which I'm sure is also going to tie into the the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show. Which I'm stoked about because yeah, who doesn't too. love themselves in Obi-Wan Kenobi? And Ewan McGregor is Obi-Wan. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, Alana, but you know. <laughs> well, Alana's, yeah, she's tapping out right now but <laughs> we you tapped out when we were talking about winter olympics so it's all yeah yeah it's all, <laughs> all, it's all fair. i feel bad that i'm like skipping out on the olympics to watch the clone wars though like this is like you know why do you feel bad about that like it, uh, you like what you I like i used to at one point in my life i used to like the olympics you know but i just i haven't been getting into them lately yeah maybe this is the year curtis yeah. yeah. All right. That was a good chat. We'll be back uh, next week to give uh, you know our rundown of the Super Bowl. Millie um, is shaking her head. No. Is that are not we? true? Are we? Yeah. Next week. I gotta thought we give... were getting together in a month. No, we got to give a rundown of the Super Bowl. Nah, we, we we had to do a recap of the Super. We got to do a Super Bowl recap, and then we got to talk about the Olympics a little bit. All right, that's Come fine on, by me. I mean, we have 12 fans alert. out there that are going to be begging for our They're opinions thirsty. about the Super Bowl. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. Spoiler alert to our 12s of fans that eventually we'll take a little bit of an off season. <laughs> yeah. uh, but all right, we'll be back next week. That's right. We'll <laughs> oh. be back next week. We got to celebrate the Bengals winning. True yeah. story. There it's going to be a beat down. That's right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Uh, go check out Curtis's blog, 12life.com. He has a really great article about Clint Hurt. Um, sure does. And, uh, yeah. Um, hopefully we're going to be learning a little bit more about how that whole defensive coaching staff shakes out. Um, well, and also, like, if you like the podcast, you know, follow it. Tell your friends. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Daniel Forlana, Millie Curtis, the rest of 12, saying goodbye. And go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Bengals and Hawks. Go Bengals. <laughs>